Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. All right. Um, welcome, everyone, to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. We have a very special guest today, um, Asha Alana Casey, a contemporary artist, uh, painter, and mixed media artist. She began her artistic training through uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. Uh, Casey is a graduate of Corcoran School of Art. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> And Anderson Ranch residency recipient. She currently lives and works in DC. Thank you, Asher, for being here with us and discussing uh, what you're all about and what you do. No problem. Happy you guys are having me. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. So take us on a journey as a creative. Who are you and when did you decide that you were an artist? So I just I think I'll tell you guys the funny story. Mm-hmm. So I've been drawing like have you guys ever seen Toonami or like Cartoon yeah. Network? We have. So yeah, so like I was little, me and my brothers, we'd run home after school and then we'd draw cartoons. We'd draw like Dragon Ball Z and mm. Sailor Moon. And then like, like, so my parents knew that and I just got out of middle school and I was doing a lot of writing. So I really enjoyed literature then. And my neighborhood school is Anacostia. Mm. My brothers, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with Anacostia, but my brothers, they got into DeMatha Catholic High School, which mm-hmm. is a really good high school. And my mom was like, oh, this is your birthright. You're going to go to Elizabeth Seton. You know, we just Catholic school the whole time. I did not get into that joint. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have a high school to go to. And they was like, well, I mean, you'll be drawing sometimes. Why don't you apply to Duke Ellington and see what happens? And I got in. So... Luckily, I ended up with a high school, and I think that's truly when my artistic career began, because then they, like, kind of trained me and made me think, okay, maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, So why art? What what, what keeps you uh, motivated to do art? Why art? I mean, so when I was reading, when I, like, thought about that question, I was like, I mean, why not art? But it's just something that's like inherent in me. I just do it, you know? It's really hard to explain why I do it, but I guess it's the way I tell stories. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about my art, I think about, okay, I'm telling a story. And so if you look at the pieces, they're kind of like in chronological order and different things are emerging as this journey continues. So I guess I I use, I make art because I have shit to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what opportunities have come your way and shaped you into the artist and educator that you are today? Ooh, um, I guess Duke, you know, if I didn't get in there, I don't know what, what I'd be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you started there and then they gave me like the technical know-how to just be able to navigate art and make really um, technical, strong pieces like rendering skills. I got that mm-hmm. from them. But it wasn't until I went to the Anderson Ranch residency, like my 11th grade year, 
where I was really considering, okay, I could actually be an artist. So right. there I learned different tools and uh, silk screening and printmaking. And I had like a brief stint as a printmaker. So it's like Duke, Anderson Ranch, Corcoran. I mean, that made me a researcher. So I was like, I, I don't know how do you felt this way, but being there, I felt like I had to prove that my ideas were valid. Mm. Yes. We were so, black, so. <laughs> basically, right? So I had to like kind of prove that like I was just as smart as they were, if not smarter. And then I had to like back everything I had with actual literature and intellectual like scholar stuff. So that made me a researcher. And then, and I think I could also credit Nation House, like as an institution that kind of shaped what I was doing because my art wouldn't look this way if I didn't walk through there and teach there. So what is Nation House for our listeners who don't know? And what did that opportunity do for you or your artwork? So Nation House is a private African-centered school. It is based in D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, Hondi, I don't know if you remember, but you recommended it to me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I was walking around. And I think you were just looking at black folks. Anybody want to be an art teacher? <laughs> I was actually just looking at you because I knew what you could bring to the school and your expertise. And um, yeah, so I was like, yeah, I think she will be a right fit. So. Oh, okay. That makes me feel so good. I didn't know that. I thought you were like looking at no, all like the black I was kids. looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Hani told me about it and then I applied and I got it. And what's really great about that school is that the framework is African everything, Black everything. And so that was the first time in my life that I looked at Blackness from a lens of power. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the only thing they teach us about Black people in DCBS is like Malcolm X for like a tiny second. They don't want us to get too hip. (laughs) But there's like a tiny bit of Malcolm, like a whole lot of Martin and like a smidge of Harriet. And so that's like pre-K all the way through 12th grade. They don't really teach a shit about them for real. Um, And so it was like a whole different perspective. Mm -hmm. And then I even started digging into my own spiritual practices and uh, learning about myself as an artist and what I wanted to tell people. So you would say that um, learning about yourself and uh, I guess spiritual, your spiritual practices are more influenced than your art today rather than before you learned all that? Yeah, for sure. And and if we want to get real technical, before I got to um, Corcoran, I was an abstract artist. I mean, mm-hmm. I made portraits uh, just off the strength of I want to get a good score on the drawing one, the drawing AP test. But most of my art was uh, geometric abstract. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see that in like the bodies of like the figures I'm painting. Mm -hmm. But but it wasn't until I got to Corcoran, I thought, okay, I need to actually make myself seen and heard and visible. It was (laughs) something about being viewed by a white audience that made me think I need to be firm in who I am as a God and Mm -hmm. as a representation of God because Mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by people who who don't even see me as human. Mm. Right. And when I first met you, that's a, that's a wonderful introduction to the question that I wanted to ask you. It's because when I first met you at the Corcoran, you were in your early stages of transforming your art. Because I remember the abstract and I remember that there was a conflict between how you wanted to portray yourself and what you wanted to say. 
So the skill was there, but there was a lack in how you wanted to present your, your voice. Um, so your painting style was monochrome there from what I remember, was it? Mm -hmm. or you were starting to get there. Um, is there a specific reason why you chose to paint primarily in black and white and why you continue to do so today? Yes. Mm -hmm. So like, so it's a few reasons, but the first reason is if you look at like really old pieces of mine, I don't have it on my website, but there's a piece called Kessie in White Space and another piece called Samiri Kessitep. Mm -hmm. And the piece of Kessie in White Space is this very white background. She has brown skin and she's wearing this gold dress, mm -hmm. right? And I was paint. I painted her with brown skin in the white space because I literally feel like a racialized figure in white spaces. Mm. So it was li that literal conversation, and I got that from a quote. I think it's a Zora Neale Hurston quote. Um, I feel the most black against stark white backgrounds, mm. and I like took that and ran with it. Yeah. And so that was the framework for that. And then the black piece is in black and white because. When I'm surrounded by blackness, I'm just understanding of what the premise is, but just the way that you simply define that is amazing. Thank you. It's, it's real because it's real. You know, we all have those similar experiences when we're in certain spaces, we feel a certain way as opposed to around our own people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great. Do you have any? Um, what's the underlying message that you would like to portray in your work? Is there like one specific theme or is it like a, uh, a plethora of different ideas that come to you? Yeah, so um, I wanna say before I get into that too, like mm -hmm. I'm talking about spaces, right? So yeah. it started as like the white and black space, but after leaving undergrad, it turned into a gold space because mm -hmm. I was just kind of honoring being a black goddess person. Then it turned into a meditative space as I was trying to figure out, well, who I am and how am I existing? Mm. And now it's a space of me actually existing on a spiritual realm. So it's mm. if you want to think of it as an enlightened space, that's right. kind of the new space that I'm painting in. And so I guess the message I'm going to tell people with my work is uh, I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely by Ntozoke Shange. Yes. And the hope is that you guys will find God when you look at me mm -hmm. and then love yourself fiercely too. Uh, and actually, Mama Mavu told me that. Andy, That's my so mom, was, everyone, for the <laughs> listeners that don't know. Uh -huh. and, and so she like she was like, it seems like your art's about this. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, and I just ran with it. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it, that's really powerful when you say that because the moment that you are enlightened and are in tune with yourself, you don't need permission from others to define who you are. And you actually don't feel a certain way in spaces because you're in tune with knowing, you know, how powerful of a person you are mm -hmm. and everybody shines similar lights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to... Um show that light to people who aren't, especially Black people, on, who aren't on that specific path as you are or who relate to you? You would think that, but something I've noticed is like, as you like get higher up in the art world, the people who buy your work start to be more and more white. Mm. And, and so it's like, I think the message of godliness is is a universal message. And mm -hmm. so I'm finding a lot of different types of people like resonating with the work or at minimum the colors and the patterns, right? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that's really important. 
No problem. So uh, what inspires you? So much. I mean, like literature, like um, right now I'm reading Zora Neale Hurston's Folk Tales, um, Mule and Men, and I'm thinking about like particularly the way they describe God. Mm -hmm. And there's one story I really like that was talking about people not receiving their souls because they clay not dry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's deep. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and they describe the souls as like uh, diamonds, like God put their souls in a jar as he kind of mm -hmm. waited for their uh, clay to dry. And they were like very diamond. They're like diamonds and shiny and glass-like. And just hearing that, I thought I need to get rhinestones, like diamond yes. rhinestones, and I need to start putting that in my work. You know, and so like reading literature really informs me my research of just like deities and gods. Mm -hmm. I've been focusing a lot on the Ifa tradition. Mm -hmm. And so when and that is a, a spiritual tradition based in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. But it's uh through the diaspora, the Risha are um understood and venerated throughout, right? So you have people like with different sects like uh Lukumi, which is also known as Santeria. Um, some of that happens in Wudun and Haiti mm -hmm. and, um, and then there is like Candomblé that happens in Brazil and okay. so this general idea of people uh, understanding their spirit and taking that with them to different aspects and it still happens in America too so you mm -hmm. find people practicing Lukumi in like New York and DC and all that stuff. Beautiful. And it's interesting that um, even though people might not uh, know about those different topics, um, it still resides within us today. Like people might pour libations for a, a fallen homie or something like mm -hmm. that, or exactly. you yeah. know, uh, just the percussion in our music and the mm -hmm. way uh, we call and response during like performances. It's like very it, similar. It, it, it will always ripple within us, no matter how far or how separated we are from the continent. Yes. And so, and I hope to like, that's such a great point. Thank you, Phil. And it's just like, I hope that like, at some point I can kind of marry those things. I mean, when I think about my art, like right now, I'm kind of looking at the ancestors with the folktales and like mm -hmm. some of that stuff, because although I am like thinking about the Risha, I have ancestors who are like very close to me, who are very Christian and very like devout. And it's like, how do I honor that path too? And see that it's still valid despite colonization. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so too often we beat ourselves up as artists when it comes to where we are versus where, where we see ourselves. What are your strategies for making the best of the situation you are in until you reach your defined level of success? I mean, I can't even hold y'all. Like sometimes I would beat myself up. I'm like, man, I'm great. Niggas can't see that. Right. <laughs> but like, but I think that's everyone too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, unless your self-esteem is kind of low, like you see what you bring to the table mm -hmm. and you see your brilliance. And I think for me, I'm really, I really love manifestation. Mm -hmm. So once you like honor who you are and what you have to bring to the table, then you have to walk in that. Mm -hmm. And so I literally like walk in those thoughts. So I'll be like, this is what I look like when I'm here. This is what the art looks like here. This is yeah. what it feels like. This is, you know, and I, I imagine that reality for myself and it feels like it's closer to me. So it's like, I would say if you're beating yourself up, 
that means that you see something greater for yourself. But also be kind to yourself too. Life is short. You know, I think it all happens in stages. So just keep making, take a break if you need to take a break, learn really who you are, and then let that reinvigorate the work. Nice, nice. Um, so what's your creative habit outside of painting? What uh, keeps you motivated and centered? Creative habit. Mm. You know, I used to do African dance. That was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It, it like um, invigorated me. But um, I don't know about a creative habit because, you know, I just like watch TV and stuff. <laughs> but maybe writing um, and like walking because yeah. I would say like just walking and being active physically. I don't know if it's creative, but I mean, it's definitely anything me. that basically keeps you centered. You know, it doesn't have to be creative. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, working out, walking and, right. and whatnot, you know. But you did not mention that you do research for your work. That's a creative habit is yeah. constantly finding information to produce and have, you know, a certain level of context and meaning behind your pieces. That's, that's a creative habit. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> wow. You know, I didn't, I, mean, I didn't think of it as a creative habit, but mm. I think that's very cool. Like that gives me a new perspective because yeah, I, I like drown in research and I'm like, and I think there's something about communities you surround yourself with too. Mm. Like you meet different people and then even just being around them then becomes research. Like, Absolutely. hey, can you help me with this? Mm -hmm. They give you something, you give them something, and you're just learning. So everyone's learning something, you know? Yeah, definitely. So how can we uh, learn more about your future projects? Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram. All right, we'll put your information uh, in the uh, disclaimer. So name something you love and why. It could be anything. Anything? Yeah. My first thought was like, mom. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. something. Yeah. That's someone. Yeah. And, and I'll say, and I want to mention my dad too. And so mm. I'll say my family in general, because they help me with my practice. Like my mom always sends me stuff and like inspiration and like support. My dad, I don't drive. So my dad literally takes my big, huge paintings everywhere they need to go. I've witnessed and, that before and I love it more than once. And I think it's so beautiful. <laughs> that yes. <laughs> supporting you in that way that's really beautiful yeah and, and it goes like my brother so if I have like a big like d install or something then my brothers will come through and help or like it's simple stuff like I want to put art up in my apartment both my brothers and my dad came through helped me put my art up so it's like I would say my family because they really really support my vision and they also want like nice things when I get money for <laughs> 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 that support. But yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, my mom said the universe unfolds as it should. Mm. And she said that um, since I was really little and I, I kind of think about that when, you know, those stressful moments of like, why hasn't this happened yet? And I'm, and when I don't receive something I think I'm really qualified for, like maybe a residency, it's I then chalk it up to there's something bigger for me mm -hmm. during this time right now. Absolutely. And so the universe unfolding as it should kind of justifies uh, the things that happen to my career. Um, 
two things. What uh, do you like about your work and what do you think that you can improve on? What do I like about my work? I like that it's so authentically me right now. It's kind of scary in that sense because when I'm painting like other people it's like okay I want to make it kind of tame so that they like it right mm. but then when I'm painting like myself and iterations of myself I don't have anyone to answer to but me and so it's just it just kind of evolved into this so I think that's what I love about my work is that it's really me it's so me sometimes I don't even recognize it mm. it's like wow um, and something I want to improve on, better stuff to make the work. Like when I think about when I get a lot more money to put towards the work, I think about my art actually having like real things like glitter, like diamonds. Like I think about like actually these really expensive material goods that I will actually go into the work yes. and like actual gems and like still the sparkles because I like glitter. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I'm really excited for it to evolve uh, in regards to the materials I can use and also how I set up my composition. I'm still very limited to what I have at my disposal when I make my pieces. What is the best piece of advice you could give an aspiring artist or student artist? When applying to undergrad, if look at your professors and the faculty that work there. If you don't want to be any of them and you don't want any of their accolades, do not go there. <laughs> that <laughs> is real. not where you should be because because people like go to college because it's a cute place to live. Like it would be like, I want to be in New York. And then they'll go to like a crappy college where there's no one there to like support their career or to push them forward in the way that they want to be pushed forward. So that's what I tell my kids. I tell my kids that at Duke now, like in my professional practice class, I literally had them research the schools they wanted to go to and then research the faculty and be like, do you like their work? Mm. Do you want every, do you want the career that they have? Because they can only give you and take you where they've been. Mm -hmm. So do you think um, going to a college or going to a higher level of education is beneficial or is it a detriment to the process? You know, it depends, right? So mm -hmm. if it depends on which college you go to, it depends on who's surrounded by you. It depends on a lot. Like if, so for example, if your mom is like a famous artist, right? Mm -hmm. And all of those artists are literally at your disposal. They want to help you. They want to support you. You don't have to pay for mentorship because it's always, it's already there for you. So why would you drop like forty, fifty thousand dollars on a college, whereas the people who work there aren't going to have the skill set that your mom has, right? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you have no access to art at all, right? You've never made anything, and um, you just want to learn and succeed, then yeah, college is for you. You know, like if you need that push, college is for you. But in my experience. I found that undergrad just kind of gave me the confidence to think that my work could be expensive and yeah. also that it could be intellectually sound. So if you have like a bunch of mentors around you and you can get that for free, I would get it for free. But I also want to put value on the fact that I can work because I have a degree. Right, right, right. right. So because I have my BFA, I can be an art teacher. 
And I think that's important to add too. So if you want to be an art teacher or work in an art field that needs a degree, go to college. Mm. If you want to just be a full-time artist, don't. <laughs> how uh, important is community and how does that, uh, how important is community to you yeah. and how does it affect your art? Oh, it's so important, right? So like when we talked about like the institutions I went through, right? Yeah. Like the Nation House community, the friends I made there, I still lean on for like subject matter for my art and like materials and resources. Like, and then the friends I made at Ellington, they, and my coworkers, really, and my old mentors and teachers, they helped me with my pieces. So I'll be like, hey, how do I fix this value, right? So they're like the technical people I can go to to like mm -hmm. answer some of those questions. And then they help me grow in my rendering skills. Um, and my family, they actually get the art to where it needs to go and push me to think I can go bigger. Um, so community is huge because I literally have my students. They'll give me it. They'll be like, hey, um, why don't you try this? And I'm like, okay, sure. And then I try it and it's dope, you know? So yeah. you just having people around you and, and just inspiring them too and everyone's feeding off each other. I think community is so important. Yeah, I definitely agree, man. Um, just networking and trading ideas and, and gaining that energy from other people, like it drives you to create, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, how has your experience as an educator shaped the way you create? Ooh, I think, I think, so I briefly like went into it a little bit. And so it's just kind of like, I... When I'm in my classroom, I have my art pieces behind my desk. So I'll have a piece, like this one's kind of like 36 by 48. So I'll have an art piece right beside my desk. And when they're making their art and it's like my seniors, I'll be making my art. And then they'll come over and they'll ask me questions about it. Or they'll be like, oh, this kind of looks like this that my family made, you know? So I'll have different students giving me their stories and talk to me about the work. And then I'll see them using glitter in their art pieces, which is really cool because mm -hmm. people don't do that at Duke. That's not like a thing. They're really like technical and I want to make people look like people, right? Yeah. And so I think me being there, it encourages them to like experiment and have fun in their art. And I, I really enjoy that. So I guess being an educator, I've just been able to learn and teach and all at the same time, because then my teachers who I work with, like I work with all the teachers who taught me. Mm -hmm. So it's a very fun experience where it's like, I'll go to them. I'll go to like Mr. E, for example. Can you help me with like the shadow or like, why doesn't it look good? He'll be like, do this, that, and third. And then it's like solid and straight, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's such a good place. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the baby just woke up. So <laughs> she had to tend to him real quick. Okay. Um, besides um, glitter, you said you love glitter. Uh, what other materials do you use? I use canvas. So I like attach canvas to like wood panel, canvas, wood panel, mm -hmm. acrylic paint. I used to use oil paint. What else? Glitter paint. I have a piece right in front of me. What else I use? Mosaic <laughs> tiles. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes I use like their 
they're like stains, so like silver and gold stains. Okay. But I kind of don't use them that much because they cause cancer, you know. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's yeah, that's about it. Okay. Okay. Um, during these trying times, um, do you feel that? Okay, the George Floyd situation, the um, Breonna Taylor situation. Do you feel that? you have to use your voice, use your art to, I guess, um, document what's going on? Honestly, I don't, but mm. I do feel a call to actually provide resources, like leave that on my like social media pages, actually give money to like black owned businesses and support yeah. that way. So, so I don't feel called to reflect it in the work, but mm. I do feel called to actually reflect it in my actions. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, anytime there's tragedies, there's like art behind it, like art, really good art through tragedy produces really good art. And I was just a random question I wanted to ask you. Um, mm -hmm. So how important is staying relevant as an artist? It's like, it, it feels really important, right? So the idea of like people looking at you, you showing and people knowing that you're making work and like your price is steadily going up and you ending up in museums and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. It It's important in that sense, but I don't think you should try to stay relevant in spite of yourself. Yeah. Like, so if you're just making work, that's just pretty, but it has no like context to you like it just doesn't mean anything to you you just make it because you can draw then i think that's not a good reason to make it i think mm -hmm. when you make stuff it should be yours it should feel like you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's something i like to tell my kids like when i see something i'm like oh this feels like you like and that's such a good feeling to like see people's work look like them and feel like them just on an energetic level you know yeah yeah reputation uh representation definitely matters you know in, in the black community and i feel that um we should always represent and show kids and 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 people who look up to us um just give them a good example to follow follow by you know yeah um, just a quick random question where do you see yourself and your art five, oh, 10 years from now, where would you like to be? Hmm. So 10 years from now, I'd like to have maybe two residencies under my belt, which is just like maybe a year or so. You just go make art hmm. and then you network with like people who put you in museums and stuff. Like, so I'd like that. I'd like to be in a few museum collections. I'd like to be represented by a gallery. 10 years from now, that's that's kind of where I see myself. And I'd also like to be in a place where, where some of my friends are these, like, artists who you see in museums, right? Mm. Like, and then that way I can pull on them to come to, like, my old high school and be like, hey, give these guys an artist talk. Tell them what it's like on the other side. So I think for me, 10 years from now, I'd like to be able to tell my kids what it's like on the other side of – okay, you have the art career, you've made the art career money, 
now I can, and I want to be able to give them so much. Like I want them to be able to go to residencies when they're in high school, like I did, you Mm -hmm. know, like I want them to like have money to go on these fancy field trips, like to New York or to like Italy or France to just see like art. Yeah. So 10 years from now, I want to be able to do stuff like that for them. Um, What's the perfect residency you would like to like go like What's the perfect location you wanted to go to? Perfect location. I mean, I think um, Kehinde Wiley sounds pretty dope. His is in Senegal. Nice, and, nice. Right, and it, it just looks really cool. It's like the it's called I think Black Rock Residency. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a perfect one. But if I was to describe a perfect one, I would say one that gives me my current salary, yeah. <laughs> um, one that gives me housing one that is super well connected to like uh, major museums and major cities and one that will propel my art to be mad expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird because it's like, I'm not a money person, right? So I come into some new money. I'm like, okay, I can give some to my dad or my mom or like I can use it to do this. But in regards to material things, I'm, it doesn't really matter to me that much in regards to stuff like that. So I'm not like, I need to make money, but I know that having money affords me to help others and create spaces for black artists and create um, stuff for my parents and, you know, uh, make really dope art. I'm manifesting uh, Kehinde Wiley's residency for you. The one in Senegal. Have you heard of yeah, that she one? Just told, she oh. just that one. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So do you have any uh, other questions? No, I don't. I think we've covered everything cool, cool, from what cool. I heard. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, you dropped a lot of great gems. And I hope that anyone that listens to this will... Um, gain inspiration from your creativity and your and your journey and thank you this has really like changed me i took every question like wrote down what i wanted to say to you guys and i'm better for it so all right thanks um so this concludes this episode of creative habits podcast um we would like to thank you again uh do you have any like website or social media or any place where people can uh purchase or look at your work Yes, so my website is my name. So it's www.ashaelanacasey.com. Okay. And uh, Instagram, same, ashaelanacasey. So everything's ashaelanacasey. If you just type it in, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, my website. Perfect, perfect. All right, well, thank you again. And sorry about the baby. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, all right. Uh, have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye.